The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bryans. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, Chelsea and Arsenal get their five a day. A spur of the moment goal shocks Tottenham, and Liverpool return to the WSL. It's Lindsay Hooper here with former England and Arsenal captain Faye White and sports broadcaster Anne-Marie Batson. Faye, it's been a while for us, so time to check in on where you're at with Arsenal this season and how they're doing. Well, I think they've been doing well leading the pack, really, up until recently. Um, I just think that, obviously, if Chelsea should win every game, obviously Arsenal do, then Chelsea will win the league. And I think that Arsenal will really be kicking themselves for that loss against uh, Birmingham back in January But generally, I think Jonas has done brilliantly this season with the team. See, I've got the perfect mix of allegiances here because we've got Anne-Marie Batson with us as well, who does a lot of work for Chelsea. So when it comes to title challenge, it was interesting, wasn't it, Anne-Marie, that both sides at the weekend won 5-0. Yes, and I think it certainly sent a message to the rest of the league that this is going to go absolutely down to the wire. And you kind of feel that the international break has come at the wrong time for both these teams because they're both going in with such momentum and both scoring big over the weekend. You want that to continue. So, yeah, you've got the international break and then it all ramps up again as we head into the business end of the season. It's very, very exciting and very compelling. Well, we'll give you more detail on those games in a little while. First, it's time for our Moments of the WSL with Now. Moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Watch the big moments from the WSL Live with a Now Sports membership. This weekend, we saw Arsenal's Beth Mee produce a quick reaction to Champions League disappointment with a defiant volley just 90 seconds into that game against Leicester. Plus, Villa's Ramona Petzelberger's head moved Spurs further from a top three spot. But for my moment of the WSL with now, I've gone for Beth England's volley against Reading. And this was a goal that she actually had a pre-assist in, if that can be a thing, both of you. It was her work rate off the ball. She set up at Guru Wrighton. Wrighton's delivery very rarely isn't on the money. And there's Beth England to meet the ball ferociously. I thought it was a, a fantastic finish. So I've gone for that one. Faye, what is yours? Uh, my moment of the match was uh, in the West Ham City game and it was Stanway, uh, the first goal. Um, I think just Stanway's epitomised their season, really. they you know, back to form, having a few players back. But Stanway's been consistent, really, all season, playing in many positions, but coming to the forefront with her goals, really, that she's scoring. I think that was her sixth in the WSL. So, yeah, she's, I think she's just been really a mainstay leading them through the hard times, but through the the good times and this kind of resurgent that we see. And obviously they're fighting for third spot. So that goal, I think, was quite vital so early on in the match to get them underway against West Ham. Anne-Marie, how about you? I've gone for Ella Toon, the only Manchester United player who's reached 100 WSL appearances. And I thought it was just a lovely touch at the end of the match with all the crowd watching as she was given her shirt by the manager, Mark Skinner. And I, I've liked Ella Toon for a long, long, long time. Of course, she joined 
Manchester United back in 2018 from City. And then she was also part of the assist to help uh, Leah Golton to score that goal, that magnificent goal in the second half. She also had three attempts at goal in the first half. And also she's got eight assists this season. So she leads the table in that for Manchester United. And Hannah Blundell is second in fifth. I just think it's great. And you know what's really scary, both of you, is that she's only 22 years of age. She hasn't even mm-hmm. moved yet. And yet she's reached that magic 100. Oh, she, she's having a great season, isn't she? Well, there you have it. Those were our moments. And as always, you can let us know what you think of our picks on Twitter, at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod. But we're going to get further stuck into the action now from the weekend. With an Owl Sports membership, you can stream all the live Sky Sports action from the Women's Super League and much more. Watch it all for just eleven ninety nine with a Now Sports Day membership. To find out more, search Now Sports or visit nowtv.com. From 9-0 to 5-0, Chelsea kept their place at the top of the table in style on Sunday, brushing aside Reading. Jessie Fleming put the host in front just ahead of half-time. She controlled the ball with her chest and slotted it past keeper Grace Maloney. Beth England followed up with that volley. Yes, that won my moment of the WSL. And then crosses from Guru Wrighton and Erin Cuthbert fed Sam Kerr for a brace. England rounded off the 5-0 win with a penalty after she was tripped I've already picked out Beth England's performance in this one and it was also a player of the match performance because Sue Smith on co-commentary for Sky Sports singled out Beth as well. She has been brilliant. I must admit I'd lost my maths in the post-match interview because I didn't count the penalty and I said five goals in three games and she said six and gave me a wink. (laughs) As you would do, wouldn't you, Faye? You'd want to say, uh, actually, you're wrong there. I've got an extra goal. What have you made of her form recently? Yeah, well, I think she's a, you know, a great young player. And if anything, kind of more been frustrated through the season that the fact that she's not getting more minutes. She's that type of player. And certainly from an England perspective, we want someone like Beth England, you know, playing re- regularly and, uh, you know, making even a, a pitch for that number nine position for England, really. Um, I think she's right to correct you if she's if you've missed one goal out. So certainly strikers will always do that, wouldn't they? And I liked the fact that she took took hold of that penalty, you know, and tried to say, no, I, I want this. You've, you know, I, from my, my perspective, I see that as a, I've got to prove what I'm capable of as well for the Chelsea boss in Emma and also from, from England's point of view. So I think that was really good confidence from her part to say, you know, um, and good team work together with Kerr to obviously come to that decision. Um, I can tell you something that. about that, actually, Faye. Um, I spoke to her in the in the post-match about the penalty decision. And my maths isn't the only person that's, that's a bit dodgy. Apparently, Sam Kerr thought that Beth was on for a hat trick. And that's why she <laughs> said, you can, you can take the penalty. But anyway, I thought, it, I thought overall it was a brilliant performance. Um, we have since heard that she's out of the England squad now. It was announced that she's got COVID. There are a few players at the minute going down with COVID at Chelsea. I suppose the international break from Emma Hayes' point of view has come at a good time if that's the case. Chelsea broke a record in this one as well. I'm, I were used to this happening. I did put it to Emma actually afterwards. So it's uh, they're the first WSL side ever to have seven consecutive clean sheets at home, which is fantastic. I I did wonder whether she gets impressed by these things anymore. She said she's impressed by the defending and it's brilliant to bring you in here, Faye, having been a former defender because often a lot of the credit goes to the strikers. We we always talk about Penilla Harder and Sam Kerr and Beth England like we just have. But this is a team that are keeping clean sheets for fun and ultimately do you think that is what wins titles? 
Yeah, I do. Um, if you look probably at the last few seasons, well, over the history of the WSL, the team that generally wins it is the one that concedes the least goals as well. So, yeah, I mean, Chelsea have a formidable you know, defence and squad, I suppose. Squad first and then defence, the players that they have. Obviously, Ericsson's been missing, hasn't she, recently? And obviously, Mayolda for, for most of the, the season. So the fact that the likes of Bright and Jess Carter have kind of really held it together at the back and no end as well when she's come in and done well. I do think as a defender and as defender units, that is the thing you look at. You know, you, yeah, it's great if your forwards go on and score four and five, but you, you're used to them getting all the plaudits. But within yourselves and within your little unit and your your teammates, you know, it's just as important and, um, you know, pleasing and makes you proud as a, a group when you, you don't concede. And you know that generally you need to have the least conceded goals to go on and, and win the league. So, yeah, the forwards, they've got an unbelievable squad, haven't they, Chelsea? And I, if I had to say, do I think they'll go on and do it? I do. There might be a little hiccup with United, perhaps. You know, that last game of the season, that makes it me just sit there and think, oh, maybe from an Arsenal point of view. And obviously with my allegiance with Arsenal, hoping that maybe United can cause them a headache at the end of the season. But generally, I think, yeah, they've quite been formidable. They've always had to chase Arsenal this season, but... The back unit, it's always good to see defence units doing well and, and performing, even if it is Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen this flip-flopping start, Anne-Marie, at the top of the table. So Chelsea are now top again by that one-point advantage that they have over Arsenal, at five ahead on goal difference. And, and goal difference, it even feels like that they're flip-flopping as well. You know, I'll score five, you score five. It is set to be one of the most exciting run-ins I think we've had for a long time don't you agree I think so I totally agree with that and the fact that you've just talked about the goal difference flip-flopping between the two they've both got teams that have got different goal scorers as well multiple goal scorers in in the teams it's going to go right down to the wire which is what you want you want a competitive end to this league after everything that happened with the compressed season because of the pandemic and now we're getting a fully fledged competitive right down to the wire potentially to the last day season what more could you possibly ask for the two best teams in the land and then who's going to finish in third as well I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on that so yeah really really exciting I think we know which way the bottom half of the table is going to go but yeah I think it's too tight to call I can't call it because these two teams are going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at it to make sure they finish the top of the table A word on Reading they weren't as good as they were in the reverse fixture against Chelsea they tried to be compact and, and they had a moment didn't they in the first half where they, they looked really organised and you felt that that was going to carry on for a little while just before uh, Fleming got that breakthrough goal but then in the second half it was it was much different did you feel that there were some tired legs watching that Faye as a, as a former player yeah and I think it's minds as well when you're playing a team like Chelsea um, who keep the possession who can move the ball that players can interchange positions it's mentally it's tough not only physically but mentally to keep the concentration to keep the communication going you know and it's just been a We've read in, it's a bit frustrating because you, you don't sometimes know what you're going to get on certain games because they can produce some good results or get draws against the top teams every now and then or, like like you said, in their reverse fixture did well. So, you know, it's just um, been a bit up and down for Reading um, this season. But, yeah, definitely when you play teams like Chelsea or Arsenal City, they, they keep the pressure on, don't they? And they force you back. It becomes more of a mental you know, challenge just as much as physical. 
Deanne Rose, another bright spark, I thought, for them, again, uh, just didn't have the support at times. It's worth mentioning that Jana Andersson will be leaving Chelsea. She's going back to her home country, Sweden. She joined Chelsea in 2017-18, but will be leaving at the end of this campaign. Onwards we go. With Chelsea keeping that title race very tight, Arsenal also stocked up on goals just in case when they travelled to Leicester. It's just like when everyone was panic buying loo roll. Remember that from the supermarkets back in lockdown? Uh, well, Beth Mead, she opened the scoring with a second-minute volley. Didn't take them long, did it? Uh, Leicester then fought hard to keep Arsenal out, but with just over 20 minutes to go, Miedemar scored two in seven minutes. An own goal from Ashley Plumtree uh, from a Nikita Paris cross made it 4-0, and Tobin Heath chested in another Paris cross for the final goal in the 5-0 route just three minutes after coming off the bench. With this one, it was interesting that Arsenal bounced back after being knocked out of the Champions League here, Faye, by Wolfsburg on Thursday. Is that a bit of a result from them to show that they can get over disappointment quickly and produce a, a performance like this one? Yeah, I think it's obviously always disappointing. It can... Um stay with you when you're knocked out of the Champions League for a few days or even a week or so. So it's important that next game that comes along that you put on a good performance, I think. And, and uh, you know, like this scored early on, that sets then the tone for the game. It just lets the nerves rest a little bit, I suppose. But yeah, you as a player, when you, you've had a disappointment, you always want to produce better and, and get a good result the next game, isn't it? To try and push that under the carpet and move on because they know what comes ahead for the next few games is so important. So they can't allow themselves to wallow in that loss. Um, you know, it was 3-1 in the end against Wolfsburg. So it's a hard thing to, you know, that's, that's their thing. They want, as players, you want to play on the biggest stage and that is for them at club level. So it's always going to be a bit of a knock when you go out but um, generally, I thought I saw that game. First game, I think they did well against Wolfsburg at home, but I think they've just uh, kind of played off the park a little bit against uh, mm. in, in the away leg. A player that they did miss in that match was Beth Mead in that Champions League game. She she missed it because of the accumulation of yellow cards. But here, you absolutely saw what she brings when she starts. Um, she scored as well in the last three consecutive WSL games for the first time since May 2018. I'm not saying, Anne-Marie, that, that Arsenal would have gone on to, to beat Wolfsburg. I think they were probably too tough, but they did miss her. Yeah, they did. They missed her energy. They missed her fight. They missed her, you know, she's just happy to go in and, and, and throw herself onto the line to make things happen. And I think they missed that. And you're right. Yeah. Wolfsburg were just on another level that night for both legs, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, she's, she's a big miss. But, you know, the one thing that you don't want for a team is to go up against a team that's come, had a bruising encounter in the Champions League. So I felt a little bit sorry for Leicester. If it'd been another team, I think they would have given Arsenal a bit more of a go. But Leicester are where they are in the table. But, uh, you know, Arsenal needed this. Then, as Faye rightly pointed out, they needed to respond and they needed to keep the pressure up on Chelsea. And that's exactly what they did at the weekend. We had some big impact substitutes here. One of the players I wanted to speak to you about, Faye, was Nikita Paris because it was a marquee signing. She she showed here that she she's obviously providing some assists. But overall, I think the impression has been that there's perhaps more to come. What What would your assessment be? Yeah, I mean, uh, with Nikita, you know, I think she has obviously undoubtedly talent and is one of, you know, that deserves an England call up and and being in the squad. But there's just a little bit missing for me sometimes from Nikita. Often when she's come on, I thought she looks a little bit off the pace, maybe not fit. 
maybe because she's not getting minutes and game time. It's hard to be match fit when you're not. But yeah, I, I see her as more of, if you're comparing her to someone like Mead, she is more of a, we, when I used to play with white wingers, you could tell if they have that instinct to score goals. And I think Beth Mead has it because she used to be a nine as well. So she could play on the wing and come in and score goals, gets, knows the positions to take up to be able to, you know, get into the box or take those shots as well from angles. These are some of the goals we've seen from Beth um, from narrow angles. But Nikita's more of a supplier for me, that type of player. And, and often I get a little bit frustrated because she's not beating players enough for me with the talent that she has. So whether it's a confidence thing, I, I don't know. But um, since certainly since coming back from Leon into the WSL, she hasn't quite hit the form that she left the, the WSL to go to them, I suppose. So yeah, she's a player that that he has talent and and can be known as a you know one of the best wide players, but I think she does need to be you know improve her consistency of supply and crosses, but also get more goals. Um, and she can only do that and improve once she gets more playing time. But at the moment, I think there are better players, um, rightly so, that start from Arsenal's point of view. What were the positives for you and Marie from from a Leicester perspective? I know I know that they've had a, a tough couple of weeks. They have been playing the best teams, but there were a couple of performances, hopefully that that stood out. Yeah, I thought Shannon O'Brien and the goalkeeper Demi Lamborn, especially Demi Lamborn, actually, I think she's been the standout star this season for Leicester. Look, they knew Leicester knew when they were coming into the WSL, it was going to be a tough, tough ask to compete, especially against those top teams at the top of the table. And I'm going to give you know a massive shout out to Leicester for doing so. I mean, they've when I watched them when they came down to Kings Meadow to play Chelsea. Remember, they kept Chelsea at bay for a good 80 minutes and then the deadlock was broken by a Penilla Hard uh, goal. And I thought, wow, this is interesting here. Leicester have got something here. They know how to contain teams. The latter half of the season, though, they've managed to do that for the first 45 and then it seems to fall away in the second 45. And that's a big lesson that they're going to take away, I think, as they go into the next season, if they still go into the next season, of course, because Birmingham have got something to stay still. But I think for them, it's just learning to carry that, hold on to the fact that they can hold on for the first 45 and they need to do that again for the second and also score some goals. But listen, when I've watched them and I've watched them live, you know, they give everything that Leicester team. And I think they just know how privileged they are to play in the WSL and they love every minute and they want to compete. So I'm looking forward to seeing them in the WSL next season, fingers crossed, if they can do that. But definitely the goalkeeper, Demi Lamborn, she's been fantastic for them. I, I just put a point in there as well. If you look at the last two games, I mean, like Anne-Marie says, I, I was quite impressed with how um, Leicester come up against uh, Chelsea in the reverse tie. Um, but I just wonder how much it is. The last two matches have been played at the men's stadium, arguably against the best two teams in the league, which makes it, I think, also another kind of another bar or another obstacle that Leicester, from a team's perspective, have to overcome against what is already top-class opposition. Um, so I just wonder whether that if they weren't, you know, it's a bit sometimes from a player's point of view, in a big stadium, different, it's not your natural stadium. It, obviously, bigger pitches sometimes help the better teams, as well as the whole environment and, and play in that sometimes in the fans rather than, the, you know, being comfortable where you normally play. And I just wonder if the score lines would have been quite as much. You, you know, I just looked at that and thought, maybe they're not the best games to put those in those stadiums. Maybe from their point of view, if you if you do want to try and pick up points or, 
you know, help build a um, confidence within the squad. I know it's great to play at those stadiums, but, you know, maybe play Birmingham or, you know, from that side of thing, if you're the coach, you probably think, oh, do we really want to play the top teams um, at this stadium? But I don't know. It does expose, yeah, it absolutely exposes the gulf, I think. I think think you're right. And conceding 14 goals in two games isn't one that you want to pin on the on the motivational board, is it, uh, for the next week? But without sounding like we're being too patronising about it, that the the worst and positives, and certainly we have seen Leicester grow as a team in the last few weeks, and I just don't think you can judge it on that opposition. Moving down to North London, where Tottenham's hopes of securing that third Champions League spot suffered a blow on the weekend against Aston Villa. It was nil nil until the 87th minute when Villa's Ramona Petzelberger headed the ball into the back of the net to inflict a one nil defeat at the Hive. It was like they were eyeing up their favourite Easter egg in the supermarket. Or maybe a pretzel, that's what it more sounds like, when Petzelberger snatched that last one from under their noses. Something to that degree anyway. Spurs now then fifth, uh, 10 points behind United with two games in hand. Are we saying now they're out of the race for third spot? Certainly they can have a say in where the title goes, Anne-Marie. Yes, and they're going to be a thorn in the side. And I think that's the way they need to play it for the rest of the season. I mean, I'm happy to hold my hands up at the end of the season if Spurs, and I say that loosely, if they can get into third place. But I just don't see how they can. I think it's down to the two Manchester clubs, to be honest. And I talk about Tottenham being a thorn in the side club. Like Reading, they're the teams that can be dark causes that can give teams some real real trouble but it would have hurt their confidence I think that they've they potentially now out of that third race space and you know when I watched the the highlights again of that match against Villa it was Tottenham to me were having all the chances they were the ones who were putting Villa under some real pressure they were pretty much you know taking every chance opportunity to try and score a goal and for some reason the stubborn ball would not go back into the net and and you know but is that is that reason that they don't have someone to finish it off it is the first time that they haven't scored in three consecutive WSL matches yeah but I mean we have only got a very small amount of games left so they've got this far without having a recognized striker I just think it's coming to four now it's starting to their form it's starting to affect their season and tired legs probably in tired minds as well it's something that the team are going to have to look at ready for next season and go out in the in the transfer market and spend a final one on this one um Faye how do you explain Villa's form away from home I have been to the Bescott Stadium and watched them in a home game I'm not sure that it does feel like their home theatre I, I guess you didn't get that impression when when you were on the sidelines but is that what it is, that they just haven't made the Best Scott Stadium their, their proper home yet? Because five of their six wins have been on the road. Yeah, well, I think the coach will be pleased that they are going away and getting results in a way, because it's often the other way around, isn't it? But equally, is it is it their mindset that when they play at home, they feel a bit, a little bit more freer to be able to throw more bodies forward um, and then they get exposed a bit? But, I mean, it's... Uh, I think from a coach's point of view, something for them to work on definitely isn't it? Because you do want to feel like you have that home advantage and can make that use of it. But yeah, to you can only praise when it's often harder when you're obviously going away, but to get a late goal or to win when you're not expected to and you're sticking together, you're working hard for each other, then he'll obviously take the positives from that. But yeah, it's one for them to work on for next season. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. West Ham nil, Manchester City 2. Spurs third spot rivals City. We're not going to lose to West Ham again this season, not with the third Champions League place so close that they can almost touch it. Uh, City Stanway scored the first. That was Faye's moment of the WSL. Uh, then Bunny Shaw completed the 2-0 win in the second half with a header from Caroline Weir's corner. Uh, we should be taking a shot or something every time someone says one game at a time. As a reporter, I can say I genuinely would love to do that. I would be very drunk. Um, It's the most used phrase, isn't it, right now? But it seems to be working for City. It is the approach they need to have. This was a game that you were at, wasn't it, Faye? Your overall impression with Manchester City hitting this brilliant run of form at the minute? Yeah, well, I think City, we all know they're a class team when maybe they're not so decimated by injuries like they were at the start of the season. But yeah, I think obviously the confidence they got after beating Chelsea in the League Cup final as well, not too long ago. Um, and the fact that they've got players like Lucy Bronze and Roebuck back, it's, um, you know, it's often those are the players, they're the leaders when they're in the squad. It just feels different. Um, obviously, they had a lot of good players still, but it, 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 if you don't get the run of results like they didn't at the start, um, it becomes about sticking together, pulling yourself out of that, and they have turned things around. But yeah, I always felt they were confident from the moment they started off with that early goal as well that they were going to go on and win this one. But they've got something to chase now, haven't they? That third spot. Um, and if you look at their games left to compared to United, the fact that United have to play Chelsea, you'd argue that you know it's they're capable of beating the teams City are. Um, I think it's Leicester, Birmingham, and Reading that they have left. So you know you would argue that that's their thing to to aim for and and I'm sure that I think they can go on and achieve it. They've got key players coming back as well. It was so great to see Chloe Kelly back out on the pitch. She was out so long with that awful injury. She was subbed on at 60 minutes. So she got a decent amount of time, about half an hour. And uh, everyone within the camp has been talking about her return and how she could possibly link up with Lauren Hemp. They only actually played together for six months when um, when they were both fit. So it will be great to see how that develops as they go forward. And Alex Greenwood in this one as well. Her distribution, Anne-Marie, was, was brilliant. These long balls and being this sort of quarterback style player is something that we're getting used to seeing with her now. Yeah, and she's showing her versatility as well as a player. So, yeah, really good to see the, the long balls because I know that West Ham like to play a very compact style of, of game. And um, I think she's going to be really key going forward for a, as a player for Manchester City. And, and it's good that we're seeing players coming back as well. I think the team have missed key players and other players have had to step up and carry things forward until other players have returned. So good that Alex Greenwood is showing what a versatile player she is. And it's fantastic to see Chloe Kelly back on the pitch after her injury. One more thing to mention before we leave this game behind, Janine Becky signing for Portland Thorns. That was announced by Manchester City at the end of last week. Let's go across Manchester to Manchester United, who beat Brighton 1-0. So it was the Red Half who roared back at the Blues. Um, yes, United shot down the Seagulls to stay third when Ella Toon sent a lovely through ball for Leah Galton running in behind. Galton squeezed a goal past Brighton keeper Katie Startup at the far post. Uh, the ball rolled across the line ever so slowly for a 1-0 victory at Lee Sports Village. So much so you didn't need a slow motion of it. 
I'm just pointing that out now. Manchester United, they've, they've won six home games in a row. It is a record for them. And in those games, they've scored 21 and conceded one. Faye, right now, though, when you look at the rhythm that Manchester City are in, are United following suit or are we seeing a slight dip from them? No, I, I think they're they're doing they're doing well. They've uh, honestly have really I think done superbly ever since they've kind of come up into the top league, haven't they? They've been consistently that additional team that kind of surprised some people in the first season, but they've carried on this season doing so well, scoring a lot of goals and not just relying on one player. Um, obviously, Russo, I think she's a quality forward and has a, a bright future ahead of her. Uh, but Galton, such a powerful. A contributor as well but yeah you, you do just wonder whether I think arguably City probably have that little bit more big time players who have that experience of being able to handle that extra pressure I suppose um, and then obviously the fact that yeah I've said it earlier that United have Chelsea at the, that last game of the season which they'll need to take points from but no I, I, I was a little bit concerned at the start of the season that they were probably conceding a bit too more many goals under Mark Skinner as opposed to what they were with Casey. Casey kept the back line very consistent. We've had to see that change. I think Hayley Ladd's been playing in the back line recently in the last few games. So uh, I just wondered whether they were going to leak too many goals this season. But that home form, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? And is a real you know plus to build on, I think, for next season as well. But they've got big hopes for this year and rightly so. Yeah, I think for those United fans who do have big expectations and probably were, were hoping for for a higher scoreline in this one, it's worth reminding what Brighton can do in terms of setting up defending behind the ball, isn't it, Anne-Marie? Yeah, and I described Reading as a team that is a thorn in the side of other teams in the WCL. And that, that's exactly what Brighton are as well. It's not going to be easy to go to them or for them to come to you. You're going to have to win every ball. You're going to have to fight for every inch of that pitch. And the fact that it was only 1-0, I think it actually just shows how tight it was. And that's a great description, by the way, of the Manchester United goal from Leah Galton. Lindsay, it did literally just dribble over the line, didn't it? But, you know, Brighton <laughs> kept them contained. Again, they didn't. They made life extremely difficult. And that's come from their coach, you know, drilling them down to that fine line of just keeping... Make sure, you know, you get the ball, you hold on to the ball or make sure they don't give the ball away too easily. I just think Brighton might be slightly disappointed with their season because they started so brightly at the beginning, didn't they? And then they're, they're fading away. And I'm not saying sixth is a fade away, but you'd like to think that Brighton would have been at least going for fourth or third place this season. Yeah, they are six at the moment. You just mentioned that 25 points they've got. There could have been more in this for Manchester United as well. You have to remember Thomas hit the post. Uh, Williams had to clear off the line at one point. So United in third now, three points ahead of City. They've got better goal difference. So 22 compared to 19. It seems to be another race that could go right down to the wire. We had a goalless draw to round things off between Birmingham and Everton. Everton couldn't take anything from the bottom side as their game ended goalless on Friday night at St Andrews. Everton are now safe from relegation, but overall, Faye, it's a pretty underwhelming season for them. Oh, massively. Um, they had all that high expectation at the start with all those sign-ins um, and that it, hoping that they were now going to compete. And obviously, those big, I think it was two 4-0 losses, wasn't it, against Arsenal and Chelsea or was it City at the first game? So, yeah, it's been massively disappointing from their point of view. Changes of manager, which obviously don't help. And they are a team that's in limbo at the moment, waiting just for that next manager to be appointed, isn't it? 
But I, I watched them against, I think it was, it was Chelsea uh, last week. And for me, they just didn't work hard enough. Um, I think when things aren't going your well your way as players, you can, even though you're, you know, they've got some big players that have had a good careers or kind of arguably want to have, you know, expectations on the international scene still. So they they just, I think, just not, they're obviously playing to get by these games at the moment rather than really, you know, playing for the badge, I suppose, because they're just not, it's classic that just players are not sure of what's going to happen in the future. Probably a lot of speculation, a lot of talk in the change room. And for me, it was always about, you just go out and do your job. And they're, they're professionals now. It's a different mindset. You have to go out and play and produce better. And I just saw a lack of um, fight really in that game. They were easily beaten, just not working hard enough off the ball. And so, yeah, maybe that's a bit really quite damning on Everton, but they were a team that still have quality players, you know, international players, young players. So, yeah, it's one that's, that's just fizzled out, hasn't it, their season? They're just waiting for that new manager to come in. It has. Um, I will, at this point of the podcast, just apologise that it, there is a building site outside where I'm recording today, um, which I can't do much about, I'm afraid. But um, French international Valerie Govan, this is another player gone to NWSL. Uh, she signed for North Carolina Courage. Uh, do you think there might be the start of a mass exodus at, at Everton or are they going to manage to hold on to some of these bigger players, Anne-Marie? I think the players are going to wait. I think it's a waiting game for that, for them now. I know that the end of the season isn't too far away just to see how the land is going to lie. And, and I think Faye makes an excellent point that it's they're waiting to see who the new coach is going to be. They have survived, but they've survived by the skin of their teeth, Everton, and they will be disappointed themselves not being able to finish higher at the table. Some of the blame, you could lay that at some of the Everton players. You could look at the, the club itself as well and, and and how they've managed Everton women over the last few months or so. The question is about investment. Where is the money coming from? Everton as a whole have some questions to answer this season, particularly on the men's side of things. And I think that's going to be actually quite key for Everton women to see how that is going to play it out. But the loss of Valerie, I think it's huge for them. Um, maybe she felt disillusioned. Maybe she felt that she just needed a different scene. She'd been here for a few seasons now and just fancied a change. But I liked her as a player. I'm hoping it's not the start of a big exodus because you still need those senior players to provide that backbone for the team. We've seen when teams have invested and virtually changed their teams overnight, it hasn't exactly gone to plan. But I think the end of the season can't come quick enough for Everton and maybe this is a chance for a reset, particularly as they know as a team from the other side of the city is going to be in the WSL next season. It's only the third time Birmingham haven't lost this season. They've had two draws and one win. Let's just lay out what it looks like for them going into the final run-in. So they are bottom on five points. They've got one game in hand. They play Brighton, Chelsea, Villa and Man City in their remaining fixtures. The only other team that could be caught is Leicester City. They're on 12 points. Faye, if you were a betting lady, I'm not sure that you are. Would you think that Birmingham could win these remaining games having only won one all season and drawn two? No, I'm going to sound harsh, but no, I don't. Um, Yeah, I think it would be a miracle, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be a great story, but I can't see it happening really you know, to beat Chelsea, to beat City. They might nick a point of the of Villa, perhaps. Um, maybe Brighton, again, comfortably sitting in the middle of the table, nothing really to play for. But 
I can't see it happening unless uh, whether they'll pick up more points. But I just can't see Birmingham going on. Um, it's a shame, really, because we know the history of Birmingham over the years. We're always a top team when I was playing. But this is what we see quite regularly. You know, if there's not backing, then not the finance now, it's professional um, team struggle. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast with Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a subscription now for just £1 a month for the next six months by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. Congratulations are in order for Liverpool, who've been promoted to the WSL after winning the championship title with two games to spare. They beat second place Bristol City 4-2 in front of a championship record crowd of over 5,500 at Ashton Gate. Uh, To get their reaction to securing promotion just two seasons after being relegated, I spoke earlier to Liverpool keeper Rachel Laws. But the final whistle goes and Liverpool are back in the WSL. Just look at what it means to every single one of those players, to the substitutes, to the coaching staff, Rachel Laws, and all of the players on the pitch cannot contain the joy. Rachel, congratulations. I've had a brief chat with you and I can hear from your voice that the celebrations have been ongoing. Just tell us about the emotions involved on Sunday because we saw what it meant to you all. And then I also saw the red fuzzy wig. So that needs an explanation as well. (laughs) I'm actually not too sure where the wigs come from. I think the supporters bus actually brought them down. Um, And we just managed to get our hands on them and they were a feature of a lot of photos. Um, emotions probably relief more than anything if I'm honest um you know it got to the the crunch end of the season and we knew that the game against Durham was really important after Bristol dropped points against Sheffield on the Saturday um and I think going into Durham Matt said it was a it was a must-win game which you know we won convincingly and I think it could have been a little bit more but I think that that took the pressure off, off us even more going into the Bristol game we knew that they had to win um we knew a draw would be good enough for us and I think on the day, again, we probably could have scored a little bit more. We weren't particularly threatened, apart from their two goals. I didn't really have that much to do. Um, but yeah, relief, I think, especially, you know, with three games left to go to do it, to do it on against Bristol at Ashton Gate as well, a massive occasion for them. Yeah, relief, excitement, enjoyment. Um, but for me personally, more relief than anything. You know, I, I've lost sleep the last couple of weeks over it. I didn't think I was actually thinking about it that much but subconsciously I must have been and to get it over the line um, with with two games still left to go um, is a big big relief but yeah excitement joy everything you can imagine what have those celebrations looked like so far we celebrated on the bus on the way back unfortunately a couple of the girls actually had to go straight away on international duty so everybody wasn't there um, but we we made up for the girls that weren't there, you know. Uh, we had we had a good drink, we had a good sing along. Uh, my voice still hasn't recovered, but it, it's all worth it. Um, I think the club have a few things planned for us. Nothing nothing in stone yet, but um, we're looking forward to getting everyone back after international. I think, especially after Sheffield, I think we're we're going to get together as a collective and and have a have a good night out. I think, and then going into Lewis as well. I think something's arranged after Lewis, but. No doubt there'll be a few things happening in between, um, but we can uh, we can afford to have have a little celebration now that it's done. It was your 50th appearance for Liverpool as well on the day. Uh, what does Liverpool mean to you? <laughs> it's 
you know, I actually didn't know it was, it was my 50th appearance till me and Rachel Furness were getting interviewed after the game and they said we had did it together and I looked really shocked. I said, oh, me as well. And to make 50 appearance for any club is special, but a club that I almost started my professional career at in 2013 on loan from Sunderland to come back and do it again with the same manager and a lot of my close friends. Um, it's really, really special. And I don't just love the football club. I love the city. I love the people. It reminds me a lot of home. Um, you know, I'm coming from Newcastle and the people are friendly and the city, the people, they're exactly the same. And that, I think that's why I've settled in so quickly, just because the people and, you know, the people I'm around every day, the people you bump into into town and things, they're lovely, lovely people. But um, I'm a Newcastle fan first and foremost, but Liverpool, I think, are definitely cemented as my second club now. Lots of people have been ready for Liverpool to come back into WSL. I think they see them as one of those huge teams, you know, with, affiliated with, with the men's side as well that, that should be up there. Are the club ready? Because we know that in the past there hasn't been the budget behind it. It was Matt Beard there last time. But is this a different challenge now? I think so. I think the game has evolved so much that the club needs to adapt as well, the men's side. And I think they have, you know, there was an interview that Jürgen did, I think only yesterday, and we have his full support and we have the club's full support. And, you know, there's talk of a new training ground. We're now included in all the sponsorship deals that the men are now including, which which is fantastic for us. And, you know, speaking to people on the men's side and people behind the scenes, we are fully backed. And I think now is the right time to do it. You know, we're in such a good place. Um, on and off the pitch. Like I said, the new training grounds in talks and that's absolutely massive for us. Um, I think where we are at the moment, Sola, it's, it suits us. But I think, you know, going to our own place, it it sets a precedent, you know, for, for teams going forward as well, not just Liverpool. And it's a big, big step in the right direction. And and like I said, you know, little things that people don't see, like sponsorship deals that we're now equal with, with the men. And, you know, little things like that for us go a really long way. Um, but we are so well looked after. I know you, you know you know you still get the the keyboard warriors who you know the men don't support us and things like that. But I can assure you they do. And like I said, the interview that Klopp did it speaks volumes. And I think you know when the club follow through on that, which which you will see that the will and you know it's a big step stone in the right direction. And, and long may it continue. The squad has got some WSL experience already, not least yourself. You you spent time with Reading. I know that Neve Fahi as well has, has obviously got WSL experience. But do you think there will be a big uh, recruitment drive this summer? I don't think it'll be massive. I think, you know, a lot of the girls, like you said, a lot of us have got game time in WSL. A lot of the girls haven't. You know, we've got a mix of experience and youth. And I think Matt will bring in, I think, maybe three or four, maybe five at the most. Um, there's there's quite a few of the girls that are out of contract, so we're still kind of waiting for talks in that aspect. But I think I think he's got he's got the strength and going into WSL, we're under no illusion that we need a strong squad from back to front and even the people on the bench, you know, they, they've got to be ready to come on and play as and when they're needed. And, you know, you look at the likes of your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, their squad of 22, 23 is, is as strong as anything. And I think... You, you've got to have that depth in your squad, otherwise um, you won't survive. You know, you've got the cup competitions as well and the games come thick and fast in periods. And I think we're under no illusion that we need a big, deep squad just to just to kind of compete. And I think that's our aim, just compete, see where we finish. And, you know, our aim is to stay in the WSL and build from there. But yeah, I think he, he will have to strengthen. I think, you know, everyone kind of knows that. But 
I don't think it'll be a, a big, big recruitment. I think it might be a couple just to strengthen the group we've got because we have got a really good group of players. What are you most excited about life in the WSL next season? Are there any particular trips that you're looking forward to making? Um, you know, you, you like your trips to the big clubs, your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's, your Cities, and I think just to be back in WSL and, and competing with them calibre of players and teams week in, week out is exactly where we want to be. And, you know, first and foremost, we had to get out of the championship, which is a very, very difficult league. And we've done that. Um, and now we just we just need to enjoy it the moment we're in. And then pre-season comes and, and the business starts. And I think just enjoy every single moment of it. But them trips to the big clubs are the special ones, you know, when you've almost got nothing to lose um, coming up against, you know, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's. They're the big games you want to play in. And I think going into them games, again, we have nothing to lose. So they're the ones we can probably enjoy a little bit more when the pressure's off. But yeah, just going to take the journey as it is. And, you know, once we get there, enjoy it as much as we can, the highs and the lows. We look forward to seeing how you fare. Congratulations again. And when you get those players back from international duty, let the party continue, I say. We will. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Thank you, Rachel. That was me speaking to Liverpool's Rachel Laws. Uh, Faye, you must remember, I do, uh, Liverpool winning the WSL in 2013. They managed against all odds, didn't they, to retain the title. I remember being positioned somewhere on a motorway and they had a trophy, I think, at one point, some position on the M6 because there were three different clubs that could win on the final day. Um, and and the other familiarity about that was Matt Beard was manager then and he is now for this one. Yeah, I do remember Liverpool, yeah, just towards the end of my career. Um, yeah, they had players, that was it, Farrah Williams, Lucy Bronze, Gemma Bonner, um, Katie Zellum would have played for them possibly around that time. So, um, and Matt Beard, yeah, the manager. So it's been a big change around over the years since, really, that they've dropped out the league and had, um, you know, funding changing etc but they're a big name aren't they in obviously the men's game and always in the history of the ladies games too so it's good to see them coming back in but again are they going to be able to cope um I think I've read the article saying there's things happening plans happening but you know is it really happening behind the scenes um because that was I think what the issue was when they dropped out Uh, it wasn't quite all what it was being said it was so but yeah to see you know a former team that have won the WSL coming back in you you have to have high hopes for them they were once this formidable side so retaining the title in 2014 after they'd won it in 2013 and this is when Chelsea was starting to come through at that point as well they were one of the teams on that final day of the 2014 season in with a chance of winning the title they lost out on that final day Now, we mentioned that Liverpool got a record attendance for that league-winning game on Sunday, but there was a much bigger attendance record smashed last week. 91,553 fans. I'm going to say that again. 91,553 fans packed out the Camp Nou to see Barcelona beat Real Madrid 5-2 for an 8-3 aggregate win in the Champions League quarterfinal. Also an El Clasico. It's the biggest official crowd ever for a women's football game, breaking the 1999 World Cup record. I think as well, it was all the scenes prior in the in the build-up to the game. There were thousands of fans with flags on the street Uh, and now Barcelona's semi-final against Wolfsburg on April the 22nd is also going to be played at Camp Nou. Uh, 50,000 tickets have already been sold for that one and the other semi-final is going to be an all-French affair between Lyon and PSG. 
before those Champions League semi-finals at the end of April, it's the international break full of World Cup qualifiers. England face North Macedonia on Friday, followed by Northern Ireland next Tuesday. Uh, Northern Ireland, of course, are in England's group at the Euros this summer. And in the home nation, Scotland plays Spain. We'll see how well that Barcelona, some of those Spanish players transition over to the national team. Uh, Northern Ireland travel to Austria before facing England and Wales play France before going to Kazakhstan. I have seen some criticism from some sections of press, Faye, regarding some of these fixtures for England. The fact that I think some some journalists think that they're, they're just not needed, the travel's not needed, the, the players need a rest. So is this going to be a chance to give other Lionesses a go here and, and give some of the key players a break? Is that how you would see it, having been in these camps before? We have just had the news that Leah Williamson is confirmed as captain for the Euros. That has been announced. Uh, Millie Bright is the new vice captain and Ellen White now third in line. So some reaction to that as well, please. Wow, yeah. Well, that's obviously knowing Leah, that's amazing. I think we kind of got the vibe that she's likely to be the next captain should or when Steph is, if she could get back, or even if she, you know, if she, when she was due to retire, um, but for the Euros to confirm that so early on was uh, is quite a big bold thing. Perhaps obviously there was question marks: Would Steph come back? Is she going to be fit enough? Uh, maybe that answers that then. But um, no, these games. I mean, from an England point of view, as a player, you no matter how experienced you are, you you, you want to grab every opportunity when you play for England even if it is these lower opposition now, because obviously we're seen as so much higher ranked and, you know, be able to compete with the best in the world. But from the player point of view, you want to play every game. But from the coach's point of view, yes, she needs to use it to think about those players that have been playing regularly all season, like Millie Bright, Alex Greenwood, who might not need necessarily all the game time. And, you know, Georgia Stanway, for example, and the chance then to use other players that are still, you know, even Lauren Hemp, she's one of those players that's played a lot for City, but is, you know, 17 caps is not a lot for England, really. And she would argue probably still trying to, she, I think she's the first name on the team sheet personally, but from her point of view, it's that experience of playing for England, that nerves, the different adrenaline you get, you never really get used to it or take it for granted. So, yeah, it's an ideal time, these oppositions now is to build the the kind of minutes for those younger players those less experienced players to come in and be able to you know step up because in tournament football you never know what's going to happen you know is Lauren Hem going to not take a knock and not be out of place you need someone else to be able to play on the left except you know and they need time to you know get used to that and to have those partnerships in midfield or in defense so it's the key chance to do that but yeah from a player's point of view you want to play every single time you can when you meet up if you're not injured you want to play and put that shirt on it's that feeling that never gets tired of really well, let's see what information we can prize out of the Lionesses camp because I'm about to get the thoughts now of Jess Carter, who's with them. Meads, Stamway, shrugs off the challenge. Oh, another first. Carter off the bench. The Ducks are ending for so many England players and the latest is Jess Carter with her first England goal. Jess, great to see you. I see those shots of the players coming off. I don't know whether it's when you arrive for England or if it's a team bus, but you all look so immaculately dressed when you get off. Uh, is it a great feeling to be back amongst the squad? Yeah, it's always good. I think it's been it's always 
great so far since being in with Serena, uh, meeting up with the girls each time. And I think it's something that um, everyone kind of looks forward to now. And it's it's nice to have that little breakaway from club and, and to come here and represent England. I feel like coming back to the club for just a second, but every time... I'm speaking to you, it's about good stuff this season. Yeah. It must be nice when people are talking about you in such good good terms. Yeah, of course. Um, I think, you know, we all just each day try our best and, and it's nice when our hard work and, um, kind of gets appreciated and, and rewarded as such. But, you know, yeah, things are, things are great at the moment um, for club and being here, being selected with England again. You know, things are really good. I know you made a record, actually, seventh home clean sheet with Chelsea in that game against Reading. Uh, do you think Do you think defenders sometimes don't get enough of the plaudits? Do you think that? Oh, 100%. There's, like, I wouldn't recommend any person becomes a defender because you don't get any of the plaudits. It's all, it's all about the forwards, for sure. Um, but, no, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a team thing, though. It's defending, keeping clean sheets isn't just the defence or just the goalkeeper. It's, it's the whole team and... I think we we work really work hard as a squad to to make sure that we try and do our best to keep a clean sheet. One of those opponents is going to be one of your Euro opponents, Northern Ireland. It, what happens in these circumstances when you're playing them, where there's nothing on the line compared to when there's a lot on the line? Oh, I think that I think there's always something on the line. To be honest, um, you know, we want to go and win every game, and it doesn't matter what competition, whether it's a friendly qualifiers, whatever it is. You know, we. We aim to to be ruthless and and to win every single game. Um, and I don't think that anybody else's mindset will be will be any different. Um, like I said before, it's a competitive squad. So whichever team Serena puts out, they've they've got to prove why they should keep their place in the next next game. And part of that is by you know just performing to your absolute best and and scoring as many goals as we can and keeping a clean sheet. That might partly answer my next question, which is there has been on on social media in particular, but certainly some journalists have wondered, you know, do these games even need to happen? Would that be part of your answer is that it's about creating that momentum, that ruthlessness and everyone getting that that chance at it? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's a qualifier. So it's really important games, Um, you know, going to the Euros. It's the last kind of last proper camp before the Euros. So I think that every game is important. Every camp that we have is important. You know, we since Serena's taken over, it's a short period of time between Serena taking over and, and going to a Euro. So we have to take every every camp, every game super seriously so we can develop the best that we can. So we're prepared for all the games ahead. We've had the news out of the camp today. There's been two lots of news. So first of all, we know that some players have had to go with COVID. One of your, well, two of your Chelsea teammates, Neve Charles and Beth England. Is that one of the unpredictables for this tournament coming up in the summer that you don't know when that's going to hit and you've all got to get used to players coming and going? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, illnesses come and go and unfortunately two of our girls got COVID, but it's kind of like you said, everyone's just got to get ready. Everyone's got to be prepared because you never know where you're going to be called upon. Um, and unfortunately for both of those, that they now have to um, miss this camp. So that's obviously really disappointing. But I think at the same time, you know, it's just more people have kind of got to step up and fill those roles again and and do the best that they can. And hopefully the both of them are um, get rid of any symptoms or illnesses as, as soon as possible and get healthy very quickly. The other news has been that Leah Williamson has been named captain for the forthcoming Home Euros. Um, what was the reaction like in camp to that news? 
I think everyone's, you know, Leah's been a leader since I've come in anyway. You know, she's been a leader and she's been captain um, throughout the quite a few of the camps with Serena. So I think everyone was just really um, supportive and, and proud and really happy for her. You know, she's um, England kind of through and through. Um, I've, you know, you can tell that from when I've been with her in the youth age group. So I think everyone's just really supportive and, and happy for her. And we know that she'll do her best to be the best captain that she can be and, and lead us to success in the Euros. I know for the Lionesses, they're wanting to drive more representation. And, and and you at the moment, you're one of three black women in the England squad, uh, which is a small number. Are they asking you to get involved and help drive some more diversity to eventually end up in that England pathway? It's, you know, I don't even think it's that. It's not that we're getting asked to do anything. It's just a sense of, like, you know, for, like you said, there's there's not many uh, black women in the, in the team. And I think that each day, you know, we're just trying to prove um, prove ourselves the same as everybody else and and do our best to, to be on the biggest stage. And hopefully our performances and and us, you know, um, being with England will, will help show other children from different backgrounds that you can play on this stage as well um, and that football is accessible to everybody it's not just for you know a group of people um, so I don't think it's a case of them trying to force anything or ask anything us to ask us to do anything it's just something that naturally hopefully with us showing what we can do and, and being successful in um, and just driving women's football that will hopefully want more people to join it's that you have to be it to see it mentality is what you're saying. And you'll be used to that adoration you get from some of that hardcore Chelsea support. When it comes to the Lionesses, though, it is another level. Do you notice that, that there's such a huge swell of support? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, for me, my first realisation of, of of that was when I walked out, um, made my first full debut for, um, for England. Um, I think I not that long ago so it was just a different it was a special moment it was just um the fans were going crazy and it is just a bigger stage and it's not about it's just about one team it's not about which club you pay for or anything like that just one team and and the support is incredible so far and hopefully it can just continue going into the Euros. Finally and I know the Euros is on the horizon now does it feel very real for you as a squad because sometimes you look at these tournaments they feel so far in the distance even when you're doing the qualifiers for it um, does it feel like it, it's upon you now? Um, I think so but at the same time we're, we're well aware that we've got two important games now so as much as we're excited for the Euros we have to switch on to what's going on right now and two qualifiers that um, that we need to go and win and that we have every intention of going and doing our best to to get um, six points out of. And I think everyone's focus this camp is just about what we can do to beat um, our next two opponents, really. Jess, thanks so much for your time. Good to see you again and enjoy the rest of the camp. Oh, thank you very much. That's all we have time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. A quick note to say that next week our show will be coming out on Wednesday to give you the full lowdown on how those matches went for the Lionesses, including the Tuesday game. Uh, Thank you very much to Faye and Anne-Marie. Remember, you can follow us and give us your thoughts on Twitter at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, Don't forget to tell your friends all about us if you haven't already. Uh, You can rate, subscribe and leave a review. That could be your Easter present to us. Goodbye for now. We'll be back next week. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. 
Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.